Well, you can be seated tonight. Grab your Bible. Go with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter number five. Mark's Gospel, chapter number five. We're going to finish this up. Next week, we're going to start a brand new series on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to go from the very beginning and we just learn all about the Holy Spirit because, you know, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us on the day of Pentecost. Jesus went back to heaven. You know, Jesus said, it is advantageous for me to go away. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit cannot come. You know, there's some people who say, I would do anything for Jesus, the two-armed, two-legged, physical, in the flesh, Son of God, to be here in our presence. I would do anything for that. But we can't forget, Jesus said, it is ad- it's for your benefit, it is advantageous for me to go away, because if I do not go away. I cannot send the comforter to you. You know, Jesus said the Holy Spirit in your midst is as good as me being in your presence. That's powerful. If the church would ever grab a hold of that revelation, it would change your life. The Holy Spirit's presence is so powerful in the life of a believer. Amen. So tonight, just to whet your appetite, let's go over to Mark chapter five. And we're going to read a very familiar passage of scripture. Mark chapter five. It's on the screen. And I'll be reading that from the New King James Version. And I want to read it and we'll pray together one more time. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. The Bible says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had and was no better, but rather she grew worse. But when she had heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. For she said... If I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, she turned around in the crowd and said, he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitudes thronging you or pressing against you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. I pray that you would stir faith in us. Lord, I bind anything that would hinder tonight, and I ask that you would help us to focus on your truth of your word tonight. Lord, your word is like a hammer that crushes the rock into pieces. And Lord, tonight, let it crush anything that is not supposed to be there. Lord, we thank you for the supremacy of the word. It is our final rule of authority and conduct, and I pray that tonight we would leave here thinking differently than we came because we've become uh, illuminated to your word. God, we thank you for it tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, uh, the last few weeks I have been uh, endeavoring to ask questions. We've hit some doozies of some questions. What happened those three days and three nights between the, uh, the, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus? We've looked at life after death, heaven, hell. We've looked at um, many, many different things. Um, but tonight we're going to continue along in this series and capstone this. Last week I was actually going to finish, but this week, this week... Uh, I told you last week, I just really felt like I needed to do this because so many people, in fact, there are three different people asked me this question 
And uh, so tonight I'm going to give you the title of our Bible study and I'm going to, I'm going to ask the question that was asked to me. Okay, here it goes. You ready? Here's the question. If I believe in healing, should I go to the doctor? If I believe in healing, should I go to the doctor? And so tonight we're going to look at that. And I felt, totally felt compelled to share this. Now, uh, those of you who know us and know anything about our church, you know, we believe in healing. We are unashamedly full gospel. And in the full gospel, that, in, that it contains the fact that the Bible teaches us that the atoning work of Christ, which is the finished work of the cross, includes healing. It absolutely, positively does. We see that from the Old all the way through the New Testament. We believe Jesus not only bore our sin on the, on the tree, but the Scripture says He also bore our sicknesses. That is in the Old and the New Testament. We see covenants of healing with uh, Israel in the Old Testament. We see the power of God manifesting and healing His people. Uh, we also look in the New Testament and we see that healing was legitimately one-third of the entirety of Christ's ministry. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. He healed the sick. He cast out devils. And uh, so Jesus preached and he ministered to the sick and he cast out devils. There were three things that were major components to his ministry. We also see that in that ministry of Jesus, that Jesus commissioned his disciples those 12, and then later the 70, and then later everybody. And he told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he said that uh, these signs would follow them that believe. And in those signs, of course, he said, um, they shall cast out devils. Believers were supposed to have authority over demonic strongholds. Can I stop and remind you tonight that as a believer, you have authority over demonic strongholds? Amen. They don't have any jurisdiction in your house unless you allow them to have jurisdiction in your house. You have authority. Some of you have been shacking with devils that you should have kicked out a long time ago. Anyway, that is a whole other subject tonight. You have authority. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Of course, we know the, the initial physical evidence, not the only evidence, but the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is uh, distinguished by speaking with tongues. There's a really good free booklet back there on the information table by a dear friend of mine named Lloyd Singley. It's a little small blue book called Have You Received the Holy Spirit Since You Believed? If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, let me just make it plain for you. If you you've never spoken with tongues, grab that book. It'll change your life. It'll answer a lot of questions. So the Bible says they shall speak with new tongues. There's a lot of other signs. One of those says, and they shall lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. That's Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 18. For those of you who may be wondering. So we see that in the commission to the early disciples and to the rest of the church, Jesus told them to go and pray for the sick. Okay. Um, also, when you get into the teachings of the church, specifically in Paul's writing to the church of Corinth, first Corinthians, specifically, when you look at chapter 11, chapter 12, chapter 13, we get into the, the verses about the spiritual gifts. And we talk about there being nine fruits of the spirit, right? We're going to get into this in the next few weeks. And there's nine gifts of the spirit. Uh, the fruits of the Spirit are going to be like love, joy, peace, patience, meekness, 
gentleness, you know, Paul lists those. And then the nine gifts of the Spirit are going to be like word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, working of miracles, the gifts of healings, tongues, interpretation of tongues, right? Uh, uh, all of those gifts that work out together like that. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, all that. So um, those nine gifts, and there's nine fruit. But in those gifts, there is the gifts of healings. So he mentions healings again. So I think that you and I, when we take the totality of Scripture, right, and we look at all the way from Genesis, all the way to the end of the book of Revelation, we have to walk away and understand God is very compassionate towards those who are sick. Um, He um, gives covenants with his people. He puts gifts within the church. And um, and so we see that he even tells us to go and pray for those who are sick and they will recover. So I don't think we can walk away from the scripture and walk away with any other conclusion than healing is God's perfect will for his people. Uh, in fact, when you look at Genesis, you find out that sickness was a part of the curse. It never was a part of God's plan until Adam and Eve transgressed that never even entered into the continuum of time. And so healing is a vitally important subject in the gospel. Now, the problem, though, is that you and I live in a fallen world and we wrestle with things. Now, the cross, which we live on this side of the cross, right? We don't live on the Old Testament side where they're looking for a Messiah. We live on the other side. And so we're embracing the finished work of the cross, right? Listen, Jesus will never, ever get off of the cross and die for another lost person. The Bible teaches in the book of Hebrews that one time Christ offered himself for all. And so when we say so-and-so gave their life to Christ today, or more specifically, we say they got saved, what we're saying essentially is that they are putting their faith in what Jesus has already done. Are you following me? Listen, every picture you see of Jesus still on the cross, every necklace of Jesus still on the cross is not theologically accurate because Jesus is not on the cross anymore. He is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. That's what the Bible tells us. We're victorious. We're on the other side of the cross. I love the way Isaiah said it. Isaiah 53 verse 5, he says, By whose stripes we are healed, or we, 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 uh, we were healed. And First uh, Peter 2.24, which is a New Testament scripture, looks back towards the cross and says, by whose stripes we were healed. Well, if you were, then you are, right? That's, that's just not rocket science. But we have to wrestle with the fact of how do, we, how do we balance into this struggle? Because Christ has redeemed us from sin. How many of you would say Christ has redeemed us from sin? Now, listen, don't get hyper-spiritual on me tonight because, listen, if I was going to lie anywhere, I wouldn't lie in church. Now, I know we're the church, but I mean in the building of the church. I wouldn't lie in the church if I was going to lie anywhere. wouldn't lie to you on the parking lot, but I surely wouldn't lie to you in here. We've been redeemed from sin. But if you stand in this building tonight and tell me you never struggle with the effects of sin, you're a liar. If it's your flesh... That rises up, which we have to crucify every day. Listen, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, righteousness of God in Christ. But sometimes folks get on my nerves. That old man, right, he starts crawling up off the altar and he wants to 
lay hands on people, but not the way Jesus said, right? He wants to turn the cheek, but he wants to do it like that. All right. Guess what you have to do? You have to push that thing aside. That's the process of sanctification that we deal with. What, what am I trying to say here? We struggle with temptation. Temptation is not the same thing as sin. The Bible says every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust and lust conceived when it brings forth fruit is death. So being tempted is not a sin, right? Everybody's tempted. If we, the Bible says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Now, as Christians, we're not supposed to live in sin. We're not supposed to justify sin. But can, can we mess up and just miss the mark from time to time? Sure. I've had to tell people I'm sorry for my attitude more than one time. I've had to say sorry for the way I said that to you more than one time. And if you would be honest, you've said the same thing. Because we live in a fallen vessel. It doesn't make us any less redeemed. It doesn't make us any less holy because we're not saved by our good works. We're saved by his good works and our faith in his good works. But if we're honest, every once in a while we still wrestle. And unfortunately, on the counterbalance of that, because I listen, I'm, I'm, I strive for balance. I want to be balanced. Uh, I've had people, you know, say everything under the sun. You know, uh, you know, if you preach on giving, they say, well, you're a prosperity preacher. And I say, well, that's better than a poverty preacher. Because if you think poverty is of God, go see what poverty does. And I'll tell you that family's not having enough lack, disease, misfortune. That's not of God. Okay, when if you preach on healing, they say, well, you're one of those faith healing. Well, no, it's better than a sickness preacher. But they say, well, you preach on faith. Your faith was better than an unbelief. I just want to be a Bible preacher. I don't want all those labels. I just want to be a Bible preacher. I want to preach what the Bible preaches and teaches. And I want to live like Jesus lived. And so forget all of those labels and what people say and this, that and the other. And let's just look at the word. Yes, we live in this fallen world and we can struggle. But how many of you know when we struggle with sin, we still are supposed to strive against sin? Huh? Satan, I rebuke you. Get out of my mind. Get out of my heart. Get out of my life. I bind you in the name of Jesus. Maybe we need to do a spiritual warfare class. Hello. Got to push the devil out. Got to push the devil out. Well, listen, if you're saved and you can be afflicted with temptation, yeah, you don't have to walk in sin. You can get free from it. Well, we all know godly people that were spirit filled who've been sick. And listen, I just think we got to deal away with all of the nonsense. I've had people call me and say, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm sick and I need to go to the hospital and I'm believing God and, and whatever. But I'm afraid to go to the doctor because if I go to the doctor, if I take some medicine, then am I not in faith? Am I not believing God? Folks, listen, we have to. And I ask these individuals, I'm like, who told you that? Well, nobody told me that. It's just I'm getting mixed signals. Like I tell people I need prayer and I'm sick. And they just say, well, just believe, 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 believe. Now, they go to the doctor. They wear glasses and they've gone to the dentist, but they tell you to believe. But, hello. Listen, if a drug addict comes down for prayer and they receive prayer and they're still struggling when they get up, we don't shame them for going to Team Challenge. Right? We don't shame them for going to rehab. We don't shame them for getting tools 
to help them in their faith. We should not shame people for going to the doctor. Hello, somebody. I thought y'all would have shouted me down there, but you left me hanging. Okay. So, let's talk about it for a minute. I believe we need to be balanced. And when I say balanced, I don't mean balanced is the way of we're not believing God or anything. But I mean, in the way that Jesus ministered. Um, in our scripture tonight, we see Mark chapter 5. There was a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had suffered. She had went to doctors. She had, the Bible says she grew not better, but she grew worse. And the Bible says that she went to Jesus and she received everything that she needed. Now, here's what I'm saying. There are people who have different beliefs about this. Um, again, just makes for a good illustration because we live in this area. If you have family that are this way, I'm not talking about your family. I'm talking about their belief. Like people who are church of the firstborn. Okay, there's not a big movement, but there's some of their churches around here. They don't believe in going to the doctor at all. Even their children. And there have been law, lawsuits of people who have died because the parents let their child just boil to death with a fever and whatever. And see, it's one thing to have um, head knowledge, and it's another thing to have revelation. If that's where your faith is truly, then live your faith there. But you can't force that on everybody else. See, some people trying to believe for cancer, and you can't even go without taking the Tylenol. Your faith has to grow. You've got to grow your faith. You've got to expand your faith. And uh, you can't just go to tackling stuff like that. You know, it's all it takes is mustard seed anyway. But the point I'm trying to make is this. You know, you've got some people to that extreme that say, well, you're not going to the doctor at all. Either God's going to heal me or I'm going home to heaven. Then you've got other people in Christianity. Some of our other brothers and sisters, they may not call me a brother and sister, but I call them a brother and sister, who are cessationists. They believe God doesn't heal anymore today. Now, do you see the, 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 the vast difference? I mean, you have some people who say God just doesn't heal supernaturally anymore. He may do it every once in a while on the mission field or something like that, but God just simply doesn't heal. Well, listen, those two extremes are like polar opposite. And we can't afford to get on either one of those sides of the ditch. And so tonight, I want to I wanna endeavor to just give you some scripture tonight, and I want to show you this. So let's look back. In this passage, we see a woman who is desperately in need of healing. Anybody ever been desperate before? I've been desperate. I've been totally desperate. Now, tonight, I want to tell you, I'm teaching this not from a place of theology alone, I'm teaching this from a place of experience. Um, I could go around the room tonight and say, how many of you have been healed by God before? A lot of us would raise our hand. Now, when I'm saying that in this context tonight, I mean supernaturally. Supernaturally. Um, I personally had a tumor, uh, a mass the size of a grapefruit on the left side of my left kidney. And it was there and then it was not. Doctors, it's verified, it's medical, it's, you know, it's the same thing. So that happened as a result of, of prayer. I had hands laid on me. I felt it actually leave my body when it happened. Um, Bonnie and I, neither one, were supposed to have children medically. She was not supposed to. She'd been checked and tested. I had been checked and tested. Well, you know the end of the story. We have two. So um, we've been, I've been healed before. 
I mean, the supernatural kind. Yes, I give praise to God anytime somebody is healed, no matter how it comes. But I'm speaking on the supernatural side. I've been healed. I've prayed for people and they've been healed. Now, I'm not going to tell you every person. I've, I've not batted a hundred, but uh, I'm trying. Praise God. I'm always believing. I don't like to pray for somebody if I'm not believing for them. But here in America, I've seen people healed on the mission field. We've seen a lot of apostolic miracles. What's an apostolic miracle, you may ask? That's a miracle that follows proclamation of the gospel in places where it's never been. So in Africa, we've seen lots of people healed of blindness and deafness and all types of things. Blondie's been with me. A lot of people have been with me before. They've seen that. Um, so I, I'm not here tonight to try to convince you God does or doesn't. You've come too late to tell me. But tonight... I just simply want to answer the question to those who are new in their faith or they're struggling and they say, listen, I'm struggling, man. Do I, should I go to the doctor or what? Well, I want, to, I want to talk to you about it. I'm going to give you some facts. Look at our passage in Mark chapter 5. I want you to read it with me and then I'm going to jump into this. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all she had, and she was no better, but rather she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd, and she touched his garment. For she said, her faith got her mouth moving. For she said, if I only might touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. And immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of this affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, she turned around and said, who touched my clothes? But the disciples said to him, Lord, people are touching you all over. They're thronging against you. And it said, but you say, who touched me? And he looked around and saw her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened, came to, uh, happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. This is a tremendous story in the Bible. This woman uh, had a whole bunch of things working against her. First of all, in Jesus' culture, she was a woman. And then she also had this illness. And they were still in the Old Testament. You got to understand, just because we're reading in Mark chapter 5, in this New Testament in our Bible, does not mean it's technically New Testament until after the resurrection. Okay, So they're still under Old Testament law at this point. This lady is not supposed to be out of her house. If a woman had an issue of blood, according to the book of Leviticus, if she went outside, she had to holler, unclean, unclean. Anybody remember reading the scarlet letter at school when you were a kid and the woman had to, had to put the scarlet letter on her chest? You read it like in literature class? Okay, maybe you, maybe you went to a sanctified school. I didn't. We had to read the scarlet letter. I think our teachers were trying to teach us about chastity or something. I don't know. But the scarlet letter and, uh, uh, you know, she had to wear this shame around. It's the same thing. Unclean, unclean. And then everything she touched was unclean. But she was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Now, until you've gotten to that point, you know, I'm just sick and tired. This woman, the Bible says she went and she suffered many things from many physicians and she didn't grow better. Rather, she grew worse. Okay. And she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I'll be made whole. She heard about Jesus. 
Something was stirring in her faith. The testimonies, perhaps, of those who had been healed in, in, in cities gone by. And she had heard that he was in town. And she was willing to risk it all to get to him. But tonight, if we ask ourselves the question, if I believe in healing, should I go to the doctor? I want to start off by point number one, first of all. And if you're a doctor in this house, or you're watching or you're listening, don't get upset with me. But number one, physicians are not divine. Physicians are not divine. Contrary to what some people may believe, not everybody goes into the medical profession for money because it makes a lot of money. Because they tell you there's a lot of schooling. There's a lot of things that they have to go through. Residencies where they make like nothing for the first couple of years. And they have to work like 80, 90 hours a week. And they make nothing. I mean, pretty much just nothing compared to what they could. Uh, and then they've got all of this continuing education and all of these things. Some people actually get into medicine because they love people. They love people. They're good doctors. They're, but there's some bad ones, too. There's some bad doctors, and there are some good doctors. There are some good Christian doctors. I'll go on record to say this. There are not only some good Christian doctors, there are some good spirit-filled Christian doctors who have a renewed mind, who understand how the body works. But at the end of the day, for people who say, God doesn't heal supernaturally anymore. It's only through medicine. Here's what I need you to know. Physicians are not God. And they'll tell you, a good one will tell you, I don't know, I'm not God. I'm just trying to learn and trying to help people. Listen, there's a reason why medicine is called practicing medicine. Practicing medicine. Sometimes they can help. But listen, like the woman with the issue of blood, there are other times where it's an exhaustion of resources. And if you live in today's society, you know if you don't have any type of medical insurance, it is almost like murder. Medical bankruptcy is at an all-time high. Where people just cannot afford to even go to the doctor. I mean, insurance is like, you, you have to have it. It's not a luxury anymore. It's a necessity if you go to the doctor. And so, like, people just like, they have to have it or else they just can't afford it. And this woman, she had went to this physician and he couldn't find out what was wrong with her. So what did he do? He sent her a referral down to his buddy. And his buddy couldn't find out what was wrong with her. And it just went from place to place to place to place. And listen, she did not grow better she only grew worse. Here's what I want to tell you. I told you I'm giving you both sides tonight. Man's wisdom, at best, is limited. There are people who understand the brain, understand the heart, understand the pancreas, understand all of those things. But at best, man's wisdom is extremely limited. In their own admission, they admit that they are practicing medicine. And, watch this, watch this, sometimes, if we're being honest... The cure is worse than the problem. Oh, y'all don't want to talk to me tonight. I remember seeing a heartburn medication years ago. I think it was when like uh, Prilosec or something first came out and it was like the, the purple pill, you know. And I remember watching, you know, you got heartburn, you know, heartburn. If you've ever had heartburn, it's terrible, right? I used to have a high of a hernia. God healed me of that. But uh, it used to be terrible. I used to have to take that stuff. Thank God I don't have to take it anymore. But... 
I remember reading or, or actually listening to that commercial, and it was talking about Prilosec, you know, helping you get your problems. And then you get to the very end of the commercial, like you got a heartburn, right? Heartburn's not like a life or death thing. But then it's like they start talking real fast, and they're like, this may cause headaches, insomnia, uh, sleepless nights, palpitations, and maybe even death. You're like, hello. <laughs> you know? It's like, dude, I just got heartburn. Like, can you just neutralize the acid in my stomach? You're talking about I might kill myself. You know? Like, what was that sleep, sleepwalking stuff? Lenestra, whatever it's called. People like walking around, like doing crazy stuff in their sleep or whatever. I'm like, man, sometimes the cure is worse than the problem. So tonight, ho- hold on, I'm not bashing doctors. But I am giving you the, the, the side of it, though, is that doctors aren't perfect. Here's the second thing. Number two. Medicine nor physicians are condemned in Scripture. Okay? In fact, some forms of medical treatment are actually viewed favorably. Jeremiah 8.22 is the balm of Gilead is referenced, and the balm of Gilead was referenced to a plant that produced a salve, much like it would be like aloe vera for burns or something. It, it, would, it would be used to soothe. And he uses that to talk about the healing power of God and the Redeemer of Israel. He talks about the balm of Gilead. In Luke's Gospel, chapter number 10, the Bible tells us about the Good Samaritan who came through town. They, the Good Samaritan, you know, passed by and there was this uh, a Jew and he was uh, beat down, wounded, stripped, left half naked. And, and the priest passed by, the Levite passed by. And what did the Samaritan do? He, banded, he, he poured in the oil and the wine antiseptic healing properties and bandaged up his wounds, took him to the innkeeper, gave him some money and said, if he needs anything else, let me know. I even hate to bring this one up because everybody wants to use it to imbibe. But here's what Paul told Timothy in first Timothy chapter five, verse 23. He told Timothy, he said, take a little wine for your often infirm stomach. A little, somebody say a little, not a lot. Listen, every morning I take like a a teaspoon and a half of apple cider vinegar. A little, not a whole lot. You know what apple cider vinegar does? It helps your stomach acid. It helps digestion, everything. In that day, with the water and the way that everything would be, a little bit mixed with, he said, don't drink water only, but use a little wine. The implication is to mix a little bit with the water. Not drink it straight or barbaric, but to help kill the bacteria and stuff and things that were causing the issue. So here, Paul told Timothy, take a little wine for his stomach's sake. Luke was a physician. If you look at the healing aspects of Jesus' ministry, Matthew, Mark, and John, while they gave detail, Luke's is in great much more detail as it relates to the healing Parts of the gospel because he was a medical doctor. Now, here's what I'm trying to tell you, right? Here's where I told you I'm in balance. This woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5, she came to Jesus. Jesus told her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. The Bible plainly says she went to the doctor and she wasted all her money. I want you to notice Jesus did not rebuke her for going to the doctor. Okay? Now, This is going to mess up some of y'all, so hold on. 
But likewise, when Timothy had a little stomach problem, Paul didn't tell him to believe for his healing. He said, take a little of this for your stomach's sake. See, I think we get so spiritual sometimes that we forget that there's a practical side of life too. And here's what I want you to understand. Healing comes from God. He designed our body to heal. Cut yourself a healthy body, it begins to repair, right? Does it not? If you're healthy, if the body's not healthy, you have issues. But listen, I burned myself on my leg a couple weeks ago on a motorcycle pipe. It was terrible. It got infected. We prayed for it. I took a little medicine, a little salve on it. Guess what? Now you can't hardly see it. Why? The body healed itself. Okay? But there are other times where we might be ill because of something we're doing. Okay? Let me tell you something. If you eat two or three packs of Oreos, all your food is fast food. You drink a, a, a thermos and a half of coffee every day. And all you eat is bread and donuts and you're 400 pounds. Listen, you can't bind and rebuke the devil, baby. Part of that is you. Now, I'm not casting judgment. I have been one who struggled with my weight. I'm just saying, uh, sometimes when we need healing in our body, maybe it's our knees, maybe it's our arthritis, maybe there's, there's inflammation, there's something going on. Maybe there's a practical thing we need to do. Paul's was told Timothy to be practical. Here's the third one. You ready? God's intervention in any physical difficulty should be sought. So here's where I want to narrow this down. If you're struggling, you're sick. First of all, if you're sick, you need to pray and believe God. You need to pray and believe God. You need to go to God and say, God, your word says by your stripes, I am healed. You need to rebuke the devil. You need to pray. And here's another one. You need to have people pray for you. People, you need to have people pray for you. It's biblical. See, James 1.5 says, if any man lacks wisdom, put that verse on the screen. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So when you're praying, you need to ask God, how do, you want, how do you want me to deal with this? Who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But then look at James 5, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. The elders, the word elder there doesn't necessarily infer older people as much as it uh, infers the leadership of the church, the leaders of the church, the elders of the church. If you're sick, call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Listen, there's such a teaching today where if you're sick, we don't want to tell anybody. They might think we don't have faith. Listen, you don't have to tell me you're sick when you're walking around a church sniffling and coughing. I can hear you. When you disappear in your house and we don't see you for two weeks, we know something's wrong. Get off our pride and say, brother, I'm sick. Would you pray for me? The reality is by his stripes, we're healed. The present struggle is, I'm dealing with this. Listen, I want to pray with you when you're struggling. I want you to pray with me when, we're when I'm struggling. But none of us are going to get help if we look in the mirror and tell ourselves we're not struggling. I can look in the, in the mirror and say, I'm a car, I'm a car, I'm a car, I'm a car. And I will not become one. 
The Bible tells us to pray for each other. Listen, if your cells in a healthy body work together to heal your body, the church, when one of us is suffering, the Bible says to pray for one another. And the prayer of faith, the scripture says, will save the sick. So listen, I want to answer this question. If, if you're struggling in your, in, your, in your illness, listen, know that God wants you well. I know that He doesn't want you to suffer. Listen, if you have prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing has changed, go get some help. I'm not going to condemn you for that. Not at all. Let me, let me tell you, sometimes it is difficult to believe God when your body is screaming in pain. Now, just because you go to the doctor and they put you on some medication doesn't mean you have to stay on it the rest of your life. Use it to help you. Use it to get you to a place of stability. Then maybe you're to a place where you can really believe God for that. But listen, I'm telling you, we cannot condemn people for seeking help. Now, look at Second Chronicles chapter 16. I want to close on this. This is a scripture we read over in the Old Testament, but it's, it's important. Second Chronicles chapter 16. Is that on, did I put that one in there? Did I forget that one? All right, I might have forgot that one. Well, turn in your Bible. Second Chronicles chapter 16. This is good. Second Chronicles chapter 16. Let's look at verse number, um, number 12. It says, In the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet, and his malady was so severe, yet in his disease he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. I want to read it again. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. What does verse, the next verse go on to say? And so Asa rested with his fathers, and he died. So this was a man who um, was accustomed to the Lord God of Israel. He knew the God of Israel, but he was sick, and he didn't seek the Lord. He went to the doctor, though. So what's the balance here? The balance is, if you go to the doctor, don't put your faith in the doctor. Put your faith in God. Listen, if I'm going to be to a place where I'm going to have to have surgery, and a surgeon is going to put me to sleep, and they're going to use a scalpel and anesthesia, and they're going to remove a gallbladder or a tumor or something from my body, listen, I'm going in faith. That God is going to use that doctor. Listen, there's a... Help me, Lord. I don't need to say that. Forget things are recorded. It don't matter what kind of person they are. They can be an atheist, a homosexual, or whatever. Look, I'm going to try to go to a Christian doctor, but I'm going to pray as a believer, God, you use and guide that doctor. Use them as an instrument of your grace. You know what medical science is? It's not perfect, but it is an instrument of God's grace. You know, there have been great extensions 
of medical science that have helped great people. Now, you know, there are some people that got a transplant and it extended their life and they had a good quality life and they gave their life to Christ. Had that not happened, they could have went off into eternity not knowing Christ. So I'm not, I'm not ready to say, well, medical science has no good advancements because plainly it does. But all I'm saying is our faith cannot be ultimately in those doctors. My faith is in Christ. Christ created us. The book of Colossians says so. Through him all things were created, all things that were made were made through him. He holds all things together. Jesus made my body. If I'm sick, I'm going to him. I'm believing. My blood pressure's high. Lord, I'm believing for this blood pressure. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking you for wisdom. And listen, in my prayer over my blood pressure, I need to be listening for the Lord to tell me, you know, maybe all that coffee you drink caused your blood pressure to go up. Oops. You know, oops. You know, cars, you have to be, maintain them too, right? You know, the tires, you're supposed to rotate them. Make sure they have enough air in them. But if you never rotate them, they don't have the right pressure in them. You can't get mad and bind the devil and uh, whatever. And the devil didn't pop your tires, man. You bought the cheapest ones you had and you didn't even maintain them. Right? I feel like we did do this. God, I'm so sick. Why am I dealing with this? I feel like sometimes the Lord wants to like give us wisdom with some things. Now, on the flip side, there are some things that we just don't understand. And tonight, I don't claim to have all the answers to those. And I'm glad that one day, we're going to be loose from this physical body. We're not going to worry about it no more. Right? Anybody glad about that? I don't know. The idea of getting a new one one day sounds pretty cool. Sounds pretty cool. One that's not bound by limitations. But ultimately, we need to be seeking God for the best. Listen, if you call me and you say, Pastor Brad, the doctor said I got tumors. I'm praying for you. I'm believing for them not to be there. By the time I pick my hands up. That's what I'm believing for. I'm swinging for the fences, baby. But what I'm telling you is, if that's not where your faith is or nothing happens, I'm not going to shame you. Listen, there's one thing I can't stand when a preacher has such an ego that if a person's not healed under their ministry, they say, well, you just didn't have enough faith. Look, that's like, that's victim shaming. That's like telling a woman the reason why you got raped is because you had a tight shirt on. Hello, that helps nobody legitimately. If you want to be serious about it, why didn't you use your faith and just heal them and they didn't have to have any faith? Hello. I mean, that's what Jesus did. We know God wants us to be healed. There's too many promises in that book. But folks, listen to me. Don't let people condemn you if you're still growing in your walk with God. And listen, there are times I've prayed and God told me to go get it checked out. Don't know why. Could be to be a testimony for the doctor. Yeah. You know, I was listening to somebody the other day. I don't remember who it was. It might have been Creflo Dollar or somebody. He just got numb with the prostate scare here a while back. And he was talking about how he had to go to the doctor over that. He's like, you know, I had to be in the machine. I had to hear all the noises and all that stuff. But, you know, but we still believe God. 
for the best because he's our healer. My faith isn't in the doctor. I know God can use them. Look, it's just like coming to church and I'm done. I'm going to keep rambling because I'm passionate about this. But here's the thing. When you come to church, you're coming with faith that God has spoken to me as your pastor. He's giving you a word to give you some food. That does not mean you can't hear from God on yourself, by yourself. Doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's not leading you and guiding you. It's no different then. If you go to the doctor, go in faith, believing God's going to use them. A good Christian doctor. Okay? All right. Let's close our Bible. Some of y'all need to go home too on that a little bit. So you can stand up on your feet tonight. Let me pray for you.